What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Magic Dads Podcast. My name is Blake. I'm here with Stefan. Hey, yo, what's up? Listen, if you like what we're doing here, please subscribe to the channel. Make sure you turn notifications on so that we get to annoy you every time we upload a video. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give the podcast a follow. All of that is free, but if you would like to help us out monetarily, there is a link to our Patreon down in the comment section of this video. And now that that is out of the way, we can start with today's episode, which is part two of the one-pointed cards. Yes. Some of the best cards in the format. If you haven't watched that video, it's right there or over there. It's or there. It's it's somewhere. You you'll find it. You're smart people. Most of you. First card on the list for today is a card that I know Stefan is very fond of. It's I am yeah. It's intuition. Intuition from Tempest. This is in fact financially the most expensive card from Tempest, I believe. It's like this just above Earthcraft. Is it re- is Earthcraft really worth that much? Uh it's such it's a powerful combo card. It, Waste, it Wasteland isn't worth that much anymore, right? Because it's been printed into the dirt. Yeah, it was also an uncommon in Tempest. Yeah. Um So, give any, I can't think of any other really expensive Tempest cards. Uh, I mean, Lotus Petal is stupidly expensive, but it's not more expensive than than Intuition. It's it's also only expensive because of scarcity. If they just reprinted it, uh, if they literally just re- did a reprinting of that card, even at uncommon, the value, like the price on it, would go down insanely. So, Intuition, uh, expensive card, also very very sweet. Yeah, this card is um, if. If anybody is a fan of Gifts Ungiven, right. this is this is Gifts Ungiven. Gifts Ungiven's leaner, younger brother. Yeah, older it's brother. Gifts Ungiven if Gifts Ungiven drank a Red Bull. Yeah, it went to three <laughs> cards for three mana instead of four cards for four mana. So like intuition, uh you can do some you can do some fair stuff with it. You could just like go mm-hmm. find, you know, a removal spell suite and let your opponent give you the worst removal spell that you pick. Or Absolutely. uh you could go get uh Lion's Eye Diamond, Underworld Breach, and Savine's Reclamation. Yes, that and is then you, what I do with and it. then you win the game. Yeah, because <laughs> So in, in a lot of in a lot of these lists, um, breach or a lot of the the breach storm lists that are Jeskai or four color or five color, um, they have certain piles, and in this the the piles include recasting intuition. Yeah, out of your bin. Yeah, like I didn't realize that for the longest time, and then I was like, oh wait. You just get to recast the spell yes, and because, more cards. I mean, Breach is obviously the most busted card in this thing, yeah. but uh, it's not possible without Intuition. Correct. Intuition, that style of card where you let your opponent pick their own demise, mm. but the joke is it's... Uh, it's you know, they're always dead yeah you can also do like reanimator things with it where... Yeah. You, yeah, where you go get like... Um, uh, what is it called? Umburial Rites... Mm-hmm. And then whatever card, and then your Atraxa or Gristlebrand or whatever it is that you plan on reanimating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oftentimes they'll just put the target. Uh, if you get like an Unburial Rights and two targets, and like a Grizzlebrand and an Atraxa, they have to pick which one kills them. Right. And that's the best feeling. Right. <laughs> like, choose, like, choose your demise, peasant. Yeah, up, until, up until now, it was like Grizzlebrand and Inqua Leviathan, so they would always choose Inqua Leviathan. 
And now it's like two even worse choices because Atraxa is so good. Atraxa, uh, uh, uh bananas. Yeah, it's it's so good that the cards that they don't want you to have just go to the graveyard. If they went to the bottom of your library, this card would be stone unplayable. Uh, I mean, yeah, probably. Uh, but just going to the graveyard is right where you want cards to be anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, the, this card is is very good. Play it. It's one point. Yeah, try so, yeah. it out. How, how? Let's do the how thing. Do how, how do we feel uh, about intuition? Does intuition uh, deserve its point? Three, two, one. I, yeah, I yeah, agree. I think it does. I don't think that you can take the point away from intuition uh, just mm. because you could do some some very, very absurd things with it. It's it's very consistent mm-hmm. and and uh, it, it definitely deserves its point. Yeah, it, and you make some small deck building considerations, like include a couple of cards that are a package for it, and then you just get to murder people with a single card. Like yeah. you draw, you could be totally down and out have no game plan at all have and i've had this happen before where it's like i'm dead oh, on board and intuition yeah and you're just like oh there's the i guess i win now. i guess i win now awesome i guess i win the next card on the list is mana drain i could easily do an entire episode of the podcast on this card uh, mm-hmm. But let me surmise in that this card is the most powerful counter spell that has ever been printed. I, ooh, that's that's a hard call to make. I I think I most I powerful now. counter spell that has ever been printed. It's so contextual and it it requires mana. It's rough. This is the thing though, uh, you don't need to use the mana that it makes. Yeah. And the cards that are free, with the exception of days, uh, cost you card advantage. Yeah, like force of will and force of negation and misdirection and things like that. Fair enough. They cost you card advantage. Mm. Mana drain just counters the spell and then gives you additional mana on your next turn. This is true that it does require that you hold up some amount of mana. So it goes in a deck that doesn't want to tap out. Right. Like you, you sort of, I'm saying that there's certain amount of considerations and what deck it goes into. Um, That being said, uh, even getting two mana back on this thing yeah. feels pretty good. A lot of the the tempo, like the teamer tempo and the Jeskai tempo decks in our format or our metagame, sorry, uh, have cut dig through time. So mm-hmm. when we first, when Canadian Highlander first kind of exploded here, uh, a lot of those tempo decks, their point spreads were like uh, recall, treasure cruise, true name nemesis, dig through time. And Correct. The idea yeah. there is like basically dig through time and treasure crews are just redundant copies of ancestral recall. And then yeah. for a while people were playing mystical tutor. Uh, most most, yeah, for that, for that point, yeah. most recently uh, they have moved to mana drain in this yeah. spot. Um, the reason for that is, is because even when you're playing those tempo decks, the games tend to go very long and they mm. get very grindy and people are playing four and five drops now and mana drain just looks really good when you can cleanly answer your yeah. opponent's spell with a two mana counter spell. And then you get a little bit of a rebate back for it on your next turn. It things are good. Yeah. It, it's a very, it's a very good, very powerful spell. Um, the floor on it is counter spell. Yeah. 
that's the floor because yes. mana burn doesn't exist now. Yeah. A lot of the times um, when players are waffling about this decision, I ask them the question, do you want another copy of Counterspell? Because that's what this is. Yeah, it, it's very good. It's Counterspell um, with an upside. That being said, I don't know that every deck wants to play Counterspell right now. If if you If you're just whiffing, like if you're grazing the edge of counter magic, I don't know that every blue deck that has force of will and force of negation and days also wants counterspell. I think that there are, there's a very real portion of those decks that just doesn't play counterspell. No, I, I am inclined to agree. Um, yeah. Although that, that specific chunk of the pie is quite small. Uh, typically I think, you know, when you're in blue and you're doing those sorts of things, you do want counterspell. Yeah. It, it depends on how reactive you want to be. Um, the three the three spaces where counterspells really fill fill in are hard control, uh, protection, mm. and uh, responses. So, like, if you want to stop your opponent from doing what they want to do, if you just have it as part of your overall game plan, or if you are protecting a very explicit proactive game plan. Yeah. Um, which is, like, easy, medium, and hard, right? Hard mode is always playing hard Okay, how do you feel? Three, two, one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked. I, I thought I, for I, sure we were going to disagree on that. I don't yeah, think I Mana Drain so. deserves a point. I think it's, I don't either. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so weird that they pointed that card. Uh, it, it felt like it came out of nowhere, and I know nobody's really calling it for it to be unpointed. So, I mean, I get the distinct impression that, uh, like blue is the best color in magic, and so, uh, the powers that be that are pointing and deciding things just want to point blue into the dirt. Yeah, and or at least like one point, all these things, especially in the most recent, um weeks and months mm. blue is like one of the least popular colors here yes it still gets played there's there's yeah. the guy that always plays just guy tempo there's the guy that yeah. always there's the guy that always plays like some form of creamer or or teamer or you yeah just guy uh but like the most popular color combinations in des moines recently have been uh like black red variants or yeah. or mono white. Yeah. Uh there has been a Sultai deck that that had came out recently. Uh one uh, of our locals has started playing. Yeah, that, we have I we have a rad. we have a Sultai stand. Yeah, I, I think that deck is awesome. Uh but I'm just I'm just saying I don't know that blue is the most powerful color anymore. Yeah, it doesn't need uh if we're if we're pointing for ubiquity there's a lot more ubiquitous cards that see play. You know, if we're pointing for ubiquity, then why is Brainstorm not a point? Yes. Right? <laughs> if if Brainstorm isn't a point, I don't think Mana Drain needs I, to be a point. Tin, I would point Brainstorm before I ever thought about pointing Mana Drain. I agree. Yeah, it's... Bra Brainstorm is closer to Recall than Treasure Cruise or another another ever, ever want to be another thing though is that I, this always kind of comes to mind whenever i'm looking at these points and going like i i don't think that that deserves to be pointed as like i feel like a lot of it is based on the vintage restricted list 
Mm. There's a lot of overlap between the restricted cards and the pointed cards. Right, there is. And so, but the biggest difference uh, for me is that, yes, even if it is restricted, you still only get to play one copy, but it's 60 cards versus 100 cards. 100, yeah. And 60 cards that include, like, you get to play a copy of Demonic Tutor and you get to play a cut co- Like, you get all of these super right. powerful cards yeah. that interact favorably. Right, there is no, like, there is no limitations <clears throat> on, like, you only get to play 10 points in Vintage. No, you get to yeah. play... All of the restricted cards in the same decks, which a lot of vintage decks do. Yeah, basically the deck builds itself up until 30, 30 cards. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's the flavor of this? Right. Like, so uh, uh, the next card on the list is Mana Vault. This one's interesting because this is card it? doesn't... Yeah, this card doesn't see a lot of play. It doesn't. Uh, there there are two players that I can think of right off at the top of my head that have Mana Vault in their deck in mm-hmm. our meta. One of the decks is just trying to play a lot of four drops. So it's an Abzan mid-range deck that has a whole bunch of really, really good uh, four mm-hmm. drops in it, um, like Season Dungeoneer. Oh, it's a, yeah, uh, it's an initial uh, Things like that. And um, they spend the rest of their points on like whatever else and... Um, uh, some players may opt for other single pointed cards, like, I don't know, tainted pact maybe, or, um, they might go for something like survival of the fittest say, right. Uh, this person just decides that the best thing that they could possibly do is to just play a four drop on turn one. Well, four drop on turn one would be a little difficult because it only produced like you're, you're spending a mana to get the three out of it. Four drop on two, turn two, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so like the, the powerful acceleration on it is there's a reason this is one point versus four points for soul ring. And right. Is you have like, to, you have to pay to untap it. It doesn't just get to untap. Yeah. And it also, it also pings you. Yeah. It deals you a damage every other. Yeah. It, it's still very powerful. It's an artifact, which is sort of the other part of it. Like it, it's easy to find. It's easy to, there's so many synergies inherent with like just having an artifact that pr- produces an additional free mana. So do you think that um, any, basically any deck will just play mana vault if it's not on the, if it's not on the points list, like do you just shove mana vault in every deck? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, yeah. So let's vote really quick. Uh, yeah. Three, two, one. Well, I just, it's kind of a poopy card. Uh, to be completely mm-hmm. honest, yes, you get like a dark ritual uh, immediately, Correct. but then in every every time I've ever seen this card played, it it like chunks out some huge thing and then it just sits there tapped for the rest of the game. Exactly. And the damage from it is usually pretty negligible. Like I don't think that the damage from the mana vault matters a whole bunch, but like, are we pointing dark ritual? Right, exactly. That's exactly the point I was going to make. It's like, Dark Ritual is zero points. All Pyretic Ritual is zero points. Seething Song is zero points. Yeah, well, and those aren't ex- aren't exactly the same as Dark Ritual, but I see what you're saying. But you, yeah, when it doesn't need to be pointed just because it's mana positive. Yeah. And this card almost never gets untapped. 
I mean, I can think of a lot of ways to untap it, but then at that sure. point we're playing a lot of bad cards and it kind of goes mm -hmm. back, it kind of goes back to the time vault thing where exactly. like in order to, in order to, you know, make this busted and get that mana positive effect every turn, you have to play a bunch of bad yeah. cards. And like, are we, are we pointing cards because of favorable interactions? Uh, no. No. And, <laughs> and pointing, so you were asking, does every deck slam this card? Right now, I am in a deck, I one of my decks that I'm playing is on nine points, and I could play this card, I actively choose not to. Um, like, I think the monocolored decks, um, like Death and Taxes specifically, would slam this card uh if it was zero points without even thinking about it right just exactly. because you know getting to play those those huge threats on turn two um is very explosive and then even if it does just sit there tap for the rest of the game and deal you a damage every turn you just don't care because you're killing your opponent with your huge exactly. thing um it's the, but the like thing. the multicolored decks not so much no and yeah there's there's a super limited quantity of decks that would play it um but I think it's okay to give those kind of decks that would slam this at zero points. It's okay to just give it to them. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's fine. We gave them balance. It gives it. It, it does give them like some more explosive draws. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and and I think that's okay. Yeah, I agree. Like a lot of a lot of these decks right now are like they could play zero points and still be incredibly powerful. Um, it's, it's fine to have this be zero points. Yeah, and then another thing is like welder. I think might oh, right. might, but it might not even play it though. I uh, I don't think so at um, one. Well, but the thing about zero, welder is is the thing about welder is is a lot of like welder is very pip dense. They have some cards that yes. co that cost a bunch of like colorless mana. Uh, in addition to colored mana, but I think a large portion of Welder is like single pipped colored cards and then like single pipped colorless cards. Right. The like like um the the artifact mid-range deck or I, I call it affinity, Mitch's mm -hmm. deck. I think right. it I think it would play mana vault. It would, yeah. Because it's not nearly as pipped dense. It has a whole bunch of like three drop three drop colorless cards or yeah. cards that cost cards cards that are single color that cost four or five mana. Like it could mm. get some good use out of a mana it's, vault. It's the platinum angel style deck where like they're just looking to hammer out a big mana value colorless spell. Or like close to yeah. colorless. Yeah. I don't I don't think mana vault needs to be pointed. Uh the last card that we are gonna talk about today is Merchant Scroll. This is an interesting one. This is a this is a homelands holdover. I think it's the not only is it one of the not only is it the only pointed homelands card, it's also one of the only playable homelands card. And interestingly, uh what was the original printing of High Tide in Homelands? Yeah, I think so. It was. Okay, so those two cards go in the same deck. Yeah. <laughs> um It's really funny. Um, yeah, so Merchant Scroll is, uh, do. I, I don't know, maybe in our local metagame, I have cast Merchant Scroll more than anybody else. I don't really know because, uh, I haven't cast Merchant Scroll in a really long time, but, right. um, I, I am a big Merchant Scroll stand and I don't play it in Canadian Highlander decks. Yeah. Um, I've casted a whole bunch in Commander. I've casted a whole bunch in Legacy, but I have not. 
I don't know if I've ever cast it in Canadian Highlander. Is it pauper um, legal too? The it's pauper legal, right? Merchant scroll. Yeah, I, it's a, it was common. I don't know. Yeah, still do, like didn't play it in pauper. Um, it's so funny because it's it's extremely limited in its targets, right? It, basically, basically anything that finds ancestral recall is pointed. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've I've noticed that they they sort of just go, okay, well, if you want a second copy of Recall, it's at least going to cost you some amount of points. Which is silly, because now there's a whole bunch of cards that aren't even bad that find Ancestral Recall and they're not pointed. Uh, However, if you spend two mana on a sorcery and then you're one mana on your your Ancestral Recall, you've spent three mana to draw three cards. Is this bad? Uh, All right, so technically, is it bad? Ugh, I don't know. Is it bad? Know. No, it's not bad to spend three mana and draw three cards. I've spent I've spent way more mana to draw less cards in Canadian Highlander. However, um, in the types of decks that want to do this, not only are you spending two cards, two or three mana, but you're also spending two cards. Two cards, yeah. So the recall is only netting you one card, and I feel like that is bad in the decks that want to do that specific thing. It, well, so you're spending a card but getting another card in hand, and then you're spending that card to net two cards. So like, the, it's it's three mana to go up two cards. There's a lot of points where you can have there where there's potential interaction. It is sorcery speed, so like, um, it's still like it still feels like it requires some amount of concession in your play patterns yeah but like is this a good magic card i don't think it is is merchant scroll something that you want to cast face up on turn two i don't think so no not unless you're going to find a powerful combo piece and then proceed to go off on the same turn i don't think i don't think playing a merchant scroll on turn two is something that is good i I Um, wonder if this is a holdover from from back when high tide was a much more powerful deck right so um Finding a high tide with it, I think, is probably one of the most proactive and good things that you can do with it. Uh, I'm not trying to say that finding an Ancestral Recall with it is not something that's proactive, because it most certainly is. Right. But finding a copy of High Tide and then proceeding to to combo off uh, is something that's very, very powerful, but also, uh, like, that is something that's very, very difficult to achieve. And again, we're we're getting back into... Um, we're getting we're getting back into uh, time vault territory where now you're you're playing some cards that aren't very good, and you know right now what Canadian Highlander looks like is it's it's there's a lot of people tapping out, mm-hmm. there's a lot of very very big creatures, and if you're using two mana to go find something whether it's something that pushes you uh, ahead in the game or something that tries to catch you up in the game, mm. I don't think that it's it's good. No playable. But not ideal, definitely. Like, I, I I, wouldn't look sideways at a person playing this card, especially not necessarily knowing. Like, if they were casting this spell, I don't know that I would counter it. I would want to see what they were getting with it. Well, um, I okay, so just, just, okay, so here's some dad advice for you. If your opponent's tutor is face up, meaning that you get to see the card that they go get, you don't counter that. You, yeah. counter, you counter the spell that they go get. Right, exactly. If it is yeah. face down, like a vampiric tutor or a demonic tutor, you counter the tutor. Yeah, especially since... There's your, dad, opening, there's your dad advice for the day. They might be recasting that tutor. 
the, the face down tutors are way more powerful than the face up ones. Yeah. Uh, by by large margins and so that's sort of like where where we're coming at from merchant scroll is this is not only a face-up card it provides many more avenues for interactions from like hosers for tutors like we we have we live in a world now where aven mind sensor isn't the only way to stop oh 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 my guy oh my guy i have so many cards that are going to ruin your day if you play an ancestry or a uh, merchant scroll yeah (laughs) Where I now I am the proud owner of an ancestor recall. Yeah, two 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 mana tutor, uh not where you want to be on turn two, especially if you're on the draw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you're if you're looking to spend a little bit of money spend a little bit of mana on a powerful tutor that is more limited in scope, um transmute is a much is a super powerful sure. and overlooked mechanic. Yeah. Um that mm-hmm. just they're, they're good spells. Right. What I was going to say was that the density of really good cantrips has gone mm-hmm. up so much over the last couple of years mm-hmm. with specifically expressive iteration. Oh, there yeah. are a few other ones, but specifically expressive iteration, which um, like might not seem as powerful. Like if your expressor of iteration always finds you ancestral recall, that's great. But but in those decks that want to be able to do that, the ability to uh, maintain and adapt is far more important than the consistency of it. Right. And so something like expressive iteration, letting you letting you look at three different cards and deciding what pathway you want to take is just mm-hmm. way more powerful in a vacuum than Merchant Scroll. Yeah, I I agree. It's it, it's the two mana sorcery you. It, it does pull off the top, but in, in these, like you said today, you don't necessarily need a specific card. All of your cards are good. You need you're, options. Yeah. You're picking, you're picking the, yeah. the most powerful, the contextually most, most yeah. important. Off of and those Merchant Scroll does offer options, but they're much more limited. So it has to be mm-hmm. a blue instant. Right. It can't just be like, you can express a iteration for a very powerful threat. If that's what you need, mm-hmm. you can't do that with a yeah. merchant scroll. No, it, it, it's sort of, yeah. So anyway, uh, merchant scroll deserve its point. Three, two, one. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to unpoint merchant scroll. And I would be shocked if people started playing it. Outside of yeah. like a high tide or maybe a mono blue deck, I don't think that Merchant Scroll would see much play. No, I I do I do think it would be interesting to see somebody sort of innovate on high tide if we were challenge. Are you yeah, challenging I, me? I really think that there is space, and we sort of talked about another card that would be exceptional in high tide, which is Intuition. Yeah, where I think that there is room to play around with these kind of like we have all these sort of blue untap effects that have there is so much unexplored space in yeah in highlander so there, much unexplored space especially when a when an archetype goes untouched for for a long time yeah um because there's a lot of like this mimetic like understanding of what is and isn't playable at any given time they're and they're wrong they're always wrong <laughs> always wrong <laughs> In the comments down below how you feel about our decisions today please trash talk yeah. us what did you say last time tell me that i'm stupid but beautiful 
Yeah. Yeah, do I'm that. Dumb, I'm dumb but lovely. D- d- <laughs> Thanks for watching the Magic Dads podcast. As always, we just want to remind you that we're, we're proud, proud of you. you. Bye. Love you. Kiss, kiss. <laughs>